top four is where we belong, man. What a game. What a performance. What a team. Welcome back to the Roman's Empire podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about Jurgen Klopp um, and <laughs> the rest of Liverpool. Um, what what an amazing, amazing feeling uh, it was to win this match, Andreas. How, how are you feeling? Man, that win, it's just it just feels good to be beating the big teams again. So much so that I didn't make it home last night until like midnight my time. <laughs> because it's just a matter that requires celebration. We, yeah, we had to delay the recording because of that too, just to add. <laughs> <laughs> so I fully apologize for the delayed posting. I, hey, I at least it was for a good that. reason, like a valid reason you were partying, yeah, you know, like, like it my wasn't something serious. Married or anything, like, yeah, exactly. You know? Oh, yeah. Zach over there <laughs> missing With out on illi- recording because his brother has a wedding. <laughs> yeah, see, like, I don't know where that, see, I don't know like, where he gets the nerve. Priority. I don't know where he gets the nerve to miss an episode. Chelsea. Yeah, see, <laughs> I don't know, we're going to have to have a talk with uh, Zach later on, but, um, yeah, it's it was, uh, see, for me, obviously, you know, to start off, it was our first win against the big six side this season. Obviously, the biggest win under Thomas Tuchel. So all that is great. But, you know, the fact that this is the, this is more or less the same Liverpool side, obviously the defense is a lot, you know, it's not the same without um, Van Dijk. There's no uh, Gomez. There's no Matip. So they're hurting on the defensive end. But... More or less, this is still the same. Oh, also no, <laughs> Jordan Henderson. If you want to actually give credit to his ability, but um, <laughs> it's more or less the same team, same manager, same system. And you know, when I watched the first couple minutes, I had a lot of worries about our ability to break down the press. And I thought, oh, the only way we can do that is by sending long balls over the top to Timo Werner, <laughs> and we did that over and over again, and it worked so well. And then just beyond that. The way that we were, like the quick decision making, the passing, it was, it was perfect, honestly. And I think top to bottom, all eleven players on the pitch, including the substitutes, I think. <laughs> well, I mean, if you want to count Kai Havertz's two minute cameo, they all <laughs> played phenomenally, in my opinion. I didn't think anyone had a poor game. Um, but at, you know, what? I might as well just read the starting lineup. Um. So Mendy and goal, Dave, uh, Christensen, and Rudiger. So that no change there from the last, I believe, two matches. Full backs, we got Reese James, Ben Chilwell back in there. Left wing back, Ben Chilwell is uh, back again. Uh, then we got a double pivot, Angolo Conte and Jorginho. Then the front three, Ziyech, Mount, and Werner. So obviously, I think Ziyech was the one that stood out the most because of his performance last week or last match, um, we actually got a Twitter question from Colin Prescott at Colin Blues Forever. He said, it's absolutely, it's absolutely crazy how we bounce back from a shitty performance. My question is, how do we think Ziyech did, and how ballsy was it to start him again? At first, not going to lie, I was kind of pissed. Yeah, see, for me, there was a quote somewhere. I got an alert on my Chelsea app, uh, and it said that, one word to describe uh, Tuchel's decision uh, in his starting 11. And he said, speed. And I'm thinking, okay, (laughs) 
like I'm not totally against the starting eleven, but don't say that you that you considered speed in your decision making when you have Hakeem Ziyech out there and Jorginho when Kyle Hudson Adoy and Pulisic are on the bench because you clearly weren't thinking about speed. But uh, I mean that that this is this is just a big part of being a manager, um, balancing out you know what whether to take too much whether to read too much into one bad performance and sit them the next match we're talking about Ziyech again here um you know what does that do to his confidence is is it better for the long run to have him sit out this match you know because that that is definitely a tough decision for him to make especially against such a good team like Liverpool but um he made the decision and I think Ziyech similarly to last match and this is something that I think we're gonna have to come to expect from him started off cold and really picked it up, you know, towards the end of the first half. And then, you know, going on into the second half, again, nearly getting a goal. Um, you know, last week he, he had a shot that went straight to the keeper this week. He had a rebound that got uh, cleared off the, the line by Andy Robertson. So, you know, two games in a row where he nearly, he should have had a goal, um, and, you know, put together some nice plays, uh, overall in the match and I don't know I, I I thought that Tuchel may have made the right decision as far as you know putting a guy in there with some experience and you know some the, the technical ability that he has it definitely wasn't speed but Andreas what what did you think about uh, the initial thoughts uh on the starting 11 and the King Ziyech yeah. in particular I mean Ziyech in particular I'm with Colin I was livid because he was not good against United and just last season, Pulisic manhandled Liverpool in a match we didn't win, but where he came in to, into like a 30-minute cameo and was involved in two goals immediately. So to me, it just made so much sense to bring Pulisic back. But I'm starting to think that the reason he's – for one, I hope it, it's good man management because it worked out, right? Ziyech played better. Uh, he got more minutes with the team, with the guys that he's probably going to be playing more with rather than, you know, just squeezing him in for cup matches. But I'm starting to think the reasoning behind all this is because of his left foot. Obviously, Mount can play on that right side, and, and Mount is preferred. But having Ziyech there, if Mount has to play elsewhere, the reasoning behind that is so that he can cut inside and hit it with his left. Now, has Ziyech gotten himself into those positions very often? No, not yet. But I can see that train of thought being why you choose Ziyech and potentially Havertz when he's healthy over putting a, a Cho or a Pulisic on the right side versus the left. Because even when talking about Cho, uh, Tuchel has mentioned that he can't wait to try Cho instead of at right wing back as the left 10. So that's my train of thought there. I thought Ziyech, you know, he did better. I, I still, and this is going to sound harsh because I think everyone played so well. I still think he was one of our weaker starters in terms of sure. performance. But but that's just because everybody else also did so well. Like, if you're asking me to pick one, I'd say, like, I still can. And it's not because he played bad, but it's because we know he has much more to give. So, again, props to Tuchel for sticking with it. Extremely ballsy because if he didn't play well, that's back-to-back -back poor choices and and you want your manager to learn from mistakes. So, again, great on Tuchel, great on Ziyech for improving the performance. 
but I kind of want to kind of segue into the other starter that I was kind of uh, shocked before by. before you before we do, I just want to mention one thing about yeah. Siesh because you mentioned the left foot thing, and this is the one concern I have with him, or it, it's not really a concern, but it. So I think he's he might be a little over too reliant uh, on that left foot, and I mean I don't know if he doesn't. Uh, believe in his ability to cross it with his right foot, or if he just feels so comfortable with his left. But you know, whenever he's on the right flank, there were a couple times in this match in particular where uh, you know he could have crossed the ball with his right foot, and you know he had an open guy in the middle. But instead of doing that, he would do a cutback and yeah. you know cross it with his left. So one, that's taking extra time, and two, the cross is going away from the player. Yeah, well, that that yeah, three. Yeah, it's predictable as well because they know that you're gonna you're gonna cut back and take with your left. So, I'd like to see him venture and explore a little bit more with that right foot. I promise it's it's very similar to your left. It's just reverse, um, the opposite direction. But uh, it's I think that that's gonna be something that he's gonna need to work on to really take over that that position, or else I think he's gonna be pigeonholed into a like a cam roll where he can stay more central and, you know, give those long balls over the top rather than from the wing, you know? So yeah. that's, uh, that's, uh, that, that, that's, that's my main concern. And I think that's a, it sounds crazy, but I think that's a thing across all left-footed players. I mean, you think of your Robin, you think of even someone like Gareth Bale. I don't know what it is about left-footed players, but they, it is a, I think they they purely strike a ball better than a right-footed player with their left foot. If you see it across the board, I mean, some of the best free kick takers out there right now are left-footed. Um, and and I, I mean, I can go back as even Lucas Podolski, who I think has one of the cleanest strikes I've ever seen, left-footed player. I talk about Robin always dribbling to continue to get to his left foot and then take a shot. You knew he was going to keep it on his left, but it, he was – he mastered how to keep it going, I guess. So so to me, I think that's a characteristic of left-footed players in general. I don't know why, but offensive left-footed players, just they just stick to what they know, and that's that left foot. But you're right. I think he needs to adapt, especially in, in our current system. Again, I'm not going to talk about the future because we don't know what Tuchel's going to want to do in you know, his 2.0 version of Chelsea. But for right now, the, the big thing is that he can't, slow down the game because a lot of our game plan right now is to hit people when they're not ready and, and make quick decisions. And going back to his left foot allows people to get set. It allows people to, to find their man and worst case scenario, it pushes our own players offside if they're making a run because they've committed to that run. And by the time yeah. the ball gets to them, Ziyech goes to his left foot and then plays it. Exactly. So I see exactly what you're talking about. And I hope that's something that's discussed with him, you know, in the training pitch. But All right, again, go back to that pivot that you were talking about or the, the so transition. Pivots, the, only, <laughs> the other player I wanted to talk about was Jorginho in the double pivot. And uh, I'll start with Ron's comment that he sent us, and it's time to put respect on J5's name, period. We oh, have oh, wait, how about, how about – yeah, go ahead, sorry. We have trashed the thought of Jorginho playing against a pressing top side forever. Mm-hmm. Like we we continue to say, my one worry is that Jorginho in a double pivot against the top side is this. 
against an athletic midfield is this. Well, today or yesterday, again, sorry that we had to delay the recording. <laughs> Jorginho played against one of the most athletic and pressing sides in the Premier League in Liverpool, who has three midfielders who press. And I thought that he was extremely key to what we were doing. And even defensively, I didn't see him as a liability. So, I mean, am I just blinded because we beat Liverpool? Or no, no, or Andreas. Do you think that he fits the system? Andreas, Angolo Conte played a phenomenal game defensively. And I still think Jorginho had a better defensive game than him. He was phenomenal. Breaking up passes, tackling. Like, I mean, dude, I've never seen him, like, lunge out, like, actually for a tackle. Like, he usually just... Like, this is the thing I always say. He just plants his heels into the ground and just waits for the guy to come to him. But there was a lot more uh, of intensity in the way he played defense yesterday. And, I mean, you, you read Ron's question. Rico at the real RCB24, a.k.a. our number one hater on Twitter, he hit us with a real heater. <laughs> he said, how do you all feel about our center backs and Jorginho after – talking shit about them for so long i mean we'll talk about the center backs uh next if, uh, but Jorginho in particular i've said it before you clearly haven't been listening rico where you been but <laughs> i'll say it again because i'm more than happy to apologize for you know being wrong about a player who in my opinion was playing really poorly and turning it around because obviously that benefits me you know i'm more than happy to to apologize for that. And I'm really happy for Jorginho. You know, I mean, Jorginho, he was never that player that I always didn't like. He's the kind of player who you love sometimes and you hate sometimes. Like, you know, he's like Willian, you know? I mean, uh, I mean, I don't know if Willian was the best comparison, but just, just drawing, like, drawing the line at that single comparison only. And the fact that he has, he's a, he has a very like volatile fan base where one game everyone loves what they see from him and then the next game it's like what did you even contribute besides passing the ball backwards you know like that it's 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 a, it's it's object it was he was objectively a very frustrating player at times so the fact that he's been able to turn around in this system uh is has been amazing and i i really really love the way he played uh like i mean again there's still there's still some of the flaws there that uh, we talked about still existed, but man, the way that he stepped up defensively, I was like literally standing up and applauding him. I, I really admire that, that effort that he put out and he knew it was a big game and, you know, Tuchel put trust in him to play him there instead of N'Golo, Con I mean, instead of um, Mateo Kovacic um, and, he made the best out of it. So congrats to him. Um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I'll, I'll piggyback on that. And yes, we talk shit because we have opinions and our opinions sometimes don't line up with other people's. And again, we love being proved wrong by our own players. We, as a group, I think, consider that in a double pivot, you want to have a strong athletic presence that has the footballing brains, not just one or the other. We saw that you can't have just the physicality a.k.a. Bakayoko, and sometimes you can't just have the brains, Jorginho under Sari. Let's use those two examples. But when you get a guy who 
who looks to his weaknesses and improves them and then shows out in a in a game that's a little different because Jorginho didn't have that many touches compared as he usually does. He had 55 accurate passes. That number is usually in the 70s or 80s for him when we dominate possession. But the real thing was the guy had 10 duels won, one clearance. He was two for two on dribbles attempted. He tackled, He completed three tackles. He even won an aerial duel. Two That's what I'm saying. Three interceptions. The guy was I, everywhere. I didn't even look he at the numbers. Like, I, I just saw that myself, and the numbers back what I'm saying. Like that he, he, had, he balled out. Yeah, so are we going to swallow it in pride and say we're wrong? Yes, of course. We're not yeah. going to say otherwise, especially when it benefits this team. Like, that, again, our frustration came when, when you depend on Jorginho to be your focal point and a team completely plans around him defensively. It's tough. But now he's not the key contributor because our team feels comfortable passing out of the back. Our team to, in this match felt comfortable passing it over our midfield, and it felt good to find Timo on stride. I'm sure he loved getting those passes finally. So if if Jorginho even works as a decoy at times, that's perfect. And I think that's what's going to allow him to continue to thrive is that teams aren't going to be able to focus just on Jorginho like they did under previous management because now our back three feel comfortable passing the ball, when you have someone like Chilwell and Reese James or Cho at wingback, those guys feel comfortable dribbling and passing with the ball. And then you have a front three where two of those players are actually midfielders turned wingers just by where they're lined up. Those guys feel comfortable on the ball in possession. So again, it feels much better for a player who has his quote unquote physical limitations to not have to be the focal point, which is allowing him to thrive on and off the ball. And, and we always talked about, oh, partnering with Conte is not good because of the creativity, blah, 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 blah. This was one of the grittiest performances we've had to have because, again, 90 minutes against Liverpool, even if they're not at their top, Sadio Mane, Firmino, and Salah are dangerous. That midfield can score from distance. And he handled it like a boss. So, yes, we're going to... Take it to the chin and apologize about Jorginho. He's been been fantastic under Tuchel, and it and no longer is it like oh Tuchel played the veterans because he's the new coach. No, no, no. Jorginho deserves to be in the starting eleven right now. Period. Hey, listen, Rico. If we're gonna be man enough to admit when we're wrong about that, then you gotta be man enough to admit that it's pretty big of us to admit when we're wrong. <laughs> if that makes sense. So give us some credit. Um, uh, we mentioned we mentioned the defense. I know it's not on the script, but I think it it, it needs to be mentioned. Um, you know, I mean, first of all, I mean, Dave, I think had a great game. He he did a really good job pushing up the field as well as what he did defensively. I know he had like one mistake right at the end, um, but you know, if you take that out, I think he had amazing performance. But you know, we we usually praise Dave. I think the two guys that we need to spend a little bit of time talking more about. Andreas Christensen and Antonio Rudiger, because, you know, going, you know, the first couple matches into this season, we were all about Kurt Zuma and thought there was no way he would lose a spot. Then we switched to a back three. And Andreas Christensen and Rudiger have made, have, have I think, solidified their spots uh, in that back three. And it's going to be really tough 
for Zuma to break in. And I also think that when Thiago Silva comes back from injury, it's going to be tough for him to get a spot back in because they've just looked so good together. And I, I know we talked last week about Andreas Christensen, his performance, and he had 100% pass completion rate or something like that. Again, he had another phenomenal performance, 92% pass completion rate. Um, like, saved legitimately three or four chances that could have could have nearly been a goal. Uh, and, he, you know, the, I think a lot of what we what we questioned about him was his ability to, you know, have the ball at his feet. He had a lot of, you know, discomfort with with uh, passing the ball around. And obviously you can point to the Barcelona matchup and all the blunders that he's had. And it, it for sure hurt his confidence. I mean, you got to remember this. How old is Andres Christensen? Like 25, 20, 24 years old. He's still so young. A Chelsea Academy product. And, um, you know, he's 24, he's, by the way. Not yeah. 25. Yeah. And so he's built up his confidence and it's just a matter of him sustaining it. Um, so it, it, it's, it's been, it's been amazing to see because we did see flashes of it. And, you know, I mean, when we played a back three with, uh, with, uh, with Conte and sorry, like he, he, he got a lot of play, play time out, uh, during that time. And, he looked good for most of it, and he had obviously big standout blunders that completely ruined his perception. Um, but he's been he's been rehabilitating his perception a lot the past couple of weeks under Tuchel. Um, he's been so good, and you know just just Rudiger as well. His intensity, like we need a guy on the pitch that'll get into other players' face, like just the shithousery that he does. Him and Reese James. They really, you know, they they took they took char- uh, charge of uh, you know their own respective byline of just the the, the debauchery and shithousery that needs to happen uh, that you need in a, a defense just to get into the other side's head and they did a really good job of that. Yeah, I mean, I want to start. So uh, this is so cheesy, and I don't know how this came to my mind, but if we have any sort of like Photoshop people that listen to us. I need a cover of the movie, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, changed into like Lords and make it plural of the clean sheet. And then the subheader is Return of the Prince. And it's it's gotta be Rudiger Christensen as the Return of the Prince because it's his redemption arc and Aspie. Because you're right. Under Conte was the first time we saw the cracks on Christensen when we faced Barcelona. Then under Sarri, he wasn't really chosen. Under Frank, every time he played, he was making a big mistake. And now here we are having a selection headache. The fact that Thiago Silva, we haven't rushed him back at all. And honestly, there is no rush right now because it's working so well to get him back. That's all credit to Christensen. And if we want to even go to a shorter timeline uh, redemption arc for Christensen. Earlier this season, when we faced Liverpool, he got a red card that completely destroyed our game plan early in the match. And today, he pocketed one of the most, again, lethal front threes that the Premier League has seen recently. Yep. So, again, Christensen, another guy that we all need to take it in the chin and say, well done. Again, 
can he prove me wrong by playing in the back four? I now want to give him the benefit of the doubt because we'd known he can be good in the back three, but hadn't even shown it in a while. Now he's showing us why he's so good there in the middle. Um, I know Chelsea has been rumored for another center back, and my whole train of thought is because maybe they think that he's only good in the back three, but maybe come end of the season, Chelsea changes their mind and doesn't think they need to spend in that position. Now, like you mentioned, Zuma, I mean, we have our issues here and there with some of our players, and and I still would have liked to see Zuma get a chance in the back three just because I think his uh, threat in set pieces is so high. But even Rudiger's playing well, and, and to go back to Rico, I feel like, Rico, you've skipped on a few episodes because in the Man United <laughs> episode, all I talked about was that Rudiger was the only player who I felt was looking to make something out of the match. And he got into the players' heads. And and on offense, he was trying to make runs that usually only Aspie was making and things like that. And today, same thing. Rudiger, in his own way, got into the heads of players like Sala and Firmino, and they didn't do anything. And then even Mane at the end, when Kovacic <laughs> kicked Pick the, the ball. ball straight at Mane's face, and then Rudiger <laughs> came in to be his bodyguard. Basically. Wait, was that intentional or not? I think oh. it was not. I don't know, man, but... I don't I think it was it intentional. Anyway. I think he was trying to waste time by kicking the ball away. Like, dude... Yeah, that's fair. Hit, like, this guy cannot hit, you know, the target when he's <laughs> going for it. What makes you think that he can perfectly hit Mane right in the head? Like, it was hard for him to hit him in the head. Like, yeah, the bigger was. target was his body, and he got him straight on the dome. So, either he's yeah, he's working on that in practice, or... <laughs> I don't know. Kovacic for, like, you know... Heads up, competitor moment, kick the ball away after, like, the whistle mm-hmm. blown. But the fact that he kicked Mane in the <laughs> face, then proce- that proceeded to cause a scene which wasted more time. Was, it was perfect. Made it from, like, being cheeky to, like, complete shithousery, and I loved it. I, yeah. I mean, obviously, as part of the Kova crew, like, I was a fan of that. Uh, <laughs> and and the, yeah. the, funny thing, the funny thing about that was that, you know, he initially, like, he was like, oh, my bad, my bad. And then Sadio Mane got in his face and just clicked with him. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. You don't come in my face like that. And just like, you know, the inner Serbian thug just came out of him for a little bit. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Or not Serbians, Croatian thug. <laughs> I apologize. But uh, that was sick. Sorry, I cut you off. You're going to say something else. Yeah, yeah. No, I was just going to say, Mane doesn't understand he was messing with an Eastern European. Like, yeah, bro. They get down. <laughs> Have you seen – Mateo Kovic just looks like he's been through – a fair enough amount of fights. Like I, I, yeah, I would have not chosen that battle, but yeah, that little moment gave me a nice little. Like, have, have you? Did you? Laugh. Did you watch the Bulls? Uh, the documentary that they made about Michael Jordan. I forgot what it was called. The Last Dance. The Last Dance, right? And they talked about uh, Tony Kukoc, who's. I mean, he's 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 Croatian too. Um, you you know, like it was Yugoslavia, and they're talking about, you know, how the Bulls had drafted him and he stayed overseas for a couple more years to play in Europe because it was like a constant war going on there. Like they just grew up in, (laughs) in civil war. And that's just like what their people know. They're just so toughened and, you know, uh, toughened if that's the right, is that the right word? Hardened. Hardened. Yeah. They were James hardened. Then, uh, you know, they talked about how they, they played them in, they played against uh, Yugoslavia the first time, 
in the Olympics and they totally destroyed him. And then they played against him in the finals and he showed up and, you know, they were like, wow, I, you know, I, I didn't realize how tough this guy was, but credit to him. And you know, he's saying, you know, because I grew up on the Eastern Bloc, like <laughs> that's where I grew up. So, uh, yeah, he definitely, I think uh, Kovic, it's, it's definitely a thing. Uh, that's passed by blood, the the grit and toughness of a of a Croatian. But, um, man, are we gonna talk about every player? Because I just want to say <laughs> one quick thing about Chilwell, because I have to, because that's my guy. I'm I'm still con- I'm still a conductor of the Chili train, and it needs to be said because, you know, Marcus Alonso was very slowly making that left wing spot his spot, uh, and he was gonna secure that. But Chilwell has done phenomenally coming up today or yesterday. I thought he did a poor job of crossing, but beyond that, uh, his build-up play, his passing, uh, his, he took a couple shots on target. Uh, you know, he, he, he pushed up in the right times and, and tracked back at the right times. I thought he played phenomenally and I just want to give him credit because, you know, I think a lot of people didn't have the confidence that he would be able to adapt to this position. I did, but I didn't think it would take this fast. And I'm not going to say that he's officially got this position under his belt and he knows what to do. But um, I thought that it would take a little bit longer for him to reach uh, this level of comfort. So that's awesome. Uh, and also, I just want to say, Antonio Rudiger, he had Mosalaw so deep into his pocket that they pulled him in the 60th minute or 62nd minute for Alex Oxlade Chamberlain. Okay? Like, that's just. That says how good of a match he played. Um, all right, well, let's finish off by talking about the the should have been two goal scorers, but only one of them ended up being a goal scorer. We'll start <laughs> off with Timo Werner. Um, I mentioned earlier how I thought the only way we could break down the press is by sending long balls over the top to Timo Werner. And, I mean, we spammed the shit out of that. In the first, like, 15 minutes, first 20 minutes, I think Timo Werner had, like, three or four chances that uh, he, he nearly put away. And, like, you know, at the end of the day, like, he's got to put – because he's got to put a couple of those away. Like, you know, this is old news. We're on a, we've, we've talked about this, and he's made it – you know, he's publicly admitted it that he's got to work on his finishing. Okay? That's fine. Um, the one thing that I think – and we also actually got a question from it, I'm pretty sure, but I don't know where it is um, – it he he needs to work on his first touch. He really does. Okay, Zach talked about this last week. How sometimes he has that first touch where he he he, he hits it far out in front of him so that he can use his pace to you know catch up to it and beat the defenders, and that's great and all. But how about the times where he you know receives a ball in the air and he has to trap it in place? You know he 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 doesn't have that either. And he had a couple of chances that would have been easy goals if he could have just trapped the ball. But his first touch is just really heavy, even when he doesn't intend on doing it. So once he fixes that, uh, oh, what am I saying? The, the Twitter question was in the script. I'm sorry. This one is from at Kendall Higa. He says, has, has Werner's first touch always been heavy like this season? Or is this something that has come up this season? Um uh. I guess I, I can speak on that. Please, I think yeah. it. I think we just were not aware of it because his speed in the Bundesliga 
stands out far more based on the defenses he was playing against. So he has said it multiple times now how he had no idea how defenders could be so quick, even with their size in the Premier League. So I think he's his touch has never been questioned because when he has a bad touch, he was able to make up for it previously. And so now he's had to, you know, it's it's been a growing pain for him to fix that because you get punished in the Premier League when you have a poor touch. So it's I, I don't think it's something that came up this season. Maybe in the bad spell of matches under Lampard where everybody was playing like crap and he hadn't scored in a while and he wasn't even close to scoring. Maybe at that point when he was trying to do too much, it, it was worse. But I, I think it's, it's part of the adapting process and the fact that he it's kind of like when you're a big fish in a small pond uh you know you're you grew before your friends did and so now you're able to you know score 15 points in a basketball game because you're three inches taller and then they catch up I don't know I think it's one of those things where Timo was just that much quicker and faster in the previous league that a bad touch is something you don't even realize is a bad touch because nobody was getting to that ball but Timo And, and I think that's why it feels like is this something new like why weren't we aware of it mm-hmm. i think the level of competition has stepped up so much that he needs to kind of hone his technique now because he's going to be facing this week in and week out yeah and another thing about timo is you know i mean well this match i think we should get into it the offsides call like that that would have I mean, see, this is the thing. Like, him scoring that goal would have done wonders for his confidence, but I think the fact that he saw the ball go in the back of the net, whether it counted or not, I think it still gave him confidence because you could see... 100%. Dude, this this is the thing, though. Like, I don't, I don't think I've ever questioned his confidence, to be completely honest. Like, like uh, there is... T- like, I think he does overthink a lot. You know, like... There's a lot of times where he he does something like just it, like it could have been a simple finish and he 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 does something a little flashy or whatever and just doesn't it goes either straight to the keeper or over the you know or just it's off target but this guy is constantly pushing the full 90 or however long he plays full intensity making the runs pressing like it, a guy who's lacking confidence isn't doing that, you know? Like, I really don't think it, it is that. It's just it's just, a, it's just a mental thing as far as being composed, you know? It's definitely not confidence. It's just composure. But, I'm, I'm, again, I thought it was a good performance, um, regardless of the offside goal, the missed chip shot, all of that. Um, but the VAR thing, I mean, I, I hope we don't have this conversation, like, once a week about, how ridiculous the rules are. I mean, last last match we benefited from a ridiculous VAR no call, and this week we the the offsides call. I mean, I don't even understand. I still don't get it. Did, like his armpit hair was offsides. It felt like, you know, it was just. It, Shout out to Niz Kenzella for that one. <laughs> did he say that? Oh yeah, yeah that guy's yeah. funny. Yeah, but uh, it, it's a. Uh, it's just, it's, you know, Tuchel, he calmly talked about it uh, after the match, you know, how VAR can go your way sometimes, sometimes not. And he said, we knew it was close when they took so long to decide. And I watched it, and I thought, okay, you know, they're measuring it out. 
and you can clearly see it's his arm that's offside, so it's going to be a goal. And even my Liverpool fan friend told me that's 100% onside. But well, it was, uh, who was it? It was uh, Atkinson or whatever his name is, um, was, the, was the ref. He thought otherwise, Martin Atkinson, and he called it uh, offside, which I just, I, it didn't make sense to me. You know, what, this should have been a 2-0 win, but I'll take the three points. Um, but um, today, I forget the name of the board. Uh, is the IF something? What is it called? The IFAB. Right. Yeah, it's the official. It's the it's the officiating board that decides. It's like legislating body that decides the rules. So, um, today they had a meeting to try to discuss uh, certain rule changes. One of them being handball. Another one being offsides. So. Today, apparently, Arsene Wenger, he presented a new interpretation of the offsides rule today. And according to this tweet from Simon Collings, he says, essentially, it would mean you're onside if any part of your body you can play the ball with is in line with a defender. Data shows that this would reduce average offsides a game in the Premier League from four to two. Uh, so this would have to be trialed at some stage. but. Uh, Colina, I don't know who that is, probably someone on the board, also explaining how ex-players have been asked about it. Shock, attackers like the idea, but defenders and goalkeepers not so much. <laughs> so in line, I like that. You know, we're not we're not playing a game of centimeters, millimeters, inches. If you guys are, you know rocking with the imperial measurements, but uh, it's it's just it's this 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 100 should have been a goal. And, you know, it was taken away based off technicality. But, you know, yeah. the, the thing at the end of the day, even if you change the rule, it won't matter because refs already have their subjective beliefs of what should be offsides, what shouldn't be. And it's not going to change it because, you know, the punishment for making the wrong call is just not severe enough for them to, to change how the way they do it, you know? And even when we discussed it, I think it was you that said, like, you know, I didn't even get to celebrate Giroud's bicycle kick uh -huh. and, and things like that. I think I think Wenger was one of the people that proposed this rule change. And the reasoning is you're not trying – if a rule is making the sport less enjoyable, because at the end of the day, these sports are entertainment an entertainment business. Like, we are supposed to be entertained by what is happening on the pitch. If we can't even get excited over stuff, something is wrong with the rule. I thought the rule change was going to be maybe like a margin of error thing, perhaps. Like something where, in, in my head, the way to fix bars, if it's not clear and obvious when you put it on the replay without having to measure the lines to the point of centimeters, then you don't overturn it. That's how I thought would, the, the change would come, but... But the people after the match were just saying, like, you took a a goal nobody would have argued with. Like, if this isn't called offside, nobody on earth would have found an angle that told them it was offside. Like, you legitimately need to get down there with a ruler and, and millimeters put them offside kind of thing. And, and it's taking away from the game. We constantly have to wait for a two-minute pause to realize if we can celebrate something. And if we can reduce those offside calls, which most likely lead to goals, 
screw it. At the end of the day, those the ones that they do look at in VAR are still going to be the ones we probably would have complained about at the end of the day. But it, we need to do something because it, it is getting to the point where the the what is the word I'm looking for here? Like the sporting caliber or the quality of the product is being punished for it. Like we we legitimately like right now there's no fans, so they don't have the the issues. But imagine that stadium with fans where all they can see is a stadium that's a, a, a screen that says no goal. Like people would lose their mind. And, and I think that's where, where you need to make some sort of change. I don't know how quickly it'll be implemented. The other, the other option, like you mentioned, the whole punishment thing, the Australian league mics up their referees. So those conversations are completely on record. And, and recently there was a full on, conversation and they showed the film and they showed the play the referees talking about oh, yeah. which player was onside which player was offside and then the guy's like hey all right we've already kind of talked about this for two minutes let me just look at the screen just to cl- completely get a final look and it's already we've already decided it there was a goal and the conversation is there so if there's any argument you can go back to the board of referees and say hey on minute you know on this match and this call the referees said this like that's not okay and then there's, that's a way to punish those referees like you did say. So I'm all for a change. I'm not saying – people are just saying VAR outright is wrong. If baseball can implement a replay system that doesn't slow down a very slow game already, I don't see how we can't perfect this either. I think this rule change is, is on the right track, and I think that there is going to be a happy medium eventually. But right now, it is too much. And maybe it feels that way because there is no fans that can – potentially you know make the referees feel the pressure of making the right choice so they can just kind of do whatever but this is the right first step i think there's still more to do with var because again the between the handballs and offsides there's a lot of gray area still you know you're talking about that video i i saw a different video i forget exactly what he said but you know more or less like the ref, the the coach was was livid about a call that the ref made, and the ref was mic'd up. It must have been Australia, if if you know you're saying that they have mics, but you could hear him say, "He's like, come here, like you know." He came over, he's like, "Listen, listen, I fucked up. I gave the wrong call. I messed up, and you know I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna fix it and all this stuff, you know." And the coach was like, "You know, I really appreciate that. I've never had a ref tell me that, tell me that, so I appreciate that." It, and there's no doubt that the reason why the ref said that was because he was mic'd up. And, you know, he, the, the manager said that he had never heard a ref say that because they'd never been mic'd up before. So it holds him a little bit accountable. I think it would be a, a great thing to implement. I mean, hell, how about how about post-match officiating, uh, like, press conferences? Like, so they have to answer for their <laughs> decisions. I mean, I mean to me, like, I don't want to, like, we're not, I don't want to baby these guys, you know? like. Yeah. But they're professional, exactly. They're professionals. They're getting paid, like, and I understand, like, you know, like, there's not like a huge pool of refs. So, like, if you piss off a couple of them and they decide to not stop working, that would probably cause an issue. But I mean, these guys aren't little kids. They're adults. You know, they they take shit all day. Like, as as an as a ref, your your job is <laughs> inherently to take shit, like, from players, from coaches, like. You know, like if you have to, if you have to admit and like take responsibility for a mistake that you made, 
I'm sorry, but that's just life. Like, grow up a little bit, you know? Like, I'm tired of, of the FA trying to protect them when they're already it's, it's, low it's hurt- quality. Like- yeah, it's 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 hurting it's hurting the sport. It really is. Yeah. And at the end but- of the day, like you have to you have to balance what's more important, getting the call right or maintaining, you know, the flow of the game and the sportsmanship, like you said earlier. And I'd rather them get the call right, but they just gotta hold them more accountable. Yeah, it just yeah. I I'm sure, statistically speaking, a lot of players have seen an overall reduction of their goal statistics and things like that because of this. So whatever rules can improve it, the better. But let's talk about what made us get three points. Mason Mount, the goal. Okay, let me say this. Before you, anyone says that we talk shit about Mason Mount and, you know, we get another Rico coming in. It's like, how about all that shit you talk about Mason Mount? The only thing we've ever said about Mason Mount is that he's not good with his left foot. He's got to take the shot with his right. And look what happened. He cut in to his right foot. And not only that, but he took a shot from the top of the box. Usually usually who takes shots up there? Midfielders, not forwards. So the two things we said, he's not, he's not a forward, he's a midfielder, and he can't shoot with his left. He shoots with his right. We've been fully vindicated, Andreas. That that one goal proved us completely right. Like we, I, I I will admit when I'm wrong about Jorginho and Andreas Christensen and Rudiger, Mason Mount. I haven't said anything wrong about him. <laughs> to be completely honest, yeah. You know, I like that was, you know, we, we got it. We got a, t- a Twitter comment from at Black Emoji. A.K.A. Yeah, Stefano, yeah, yeah, full uh, newly initiated uh, rep ultra. He says that's what it's about, Mason insurmountable. I haven't heard that one yet, but uh, insurmountable. Yeah, I don't know. I'll give it like a five out of ten, <laughs> six out of ten. But yeah. we'll, we got to work on it a little bit. It's just it's too big of a word, you know. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, and I saw another. Uh, tweet um, and I forgot who tweeted it but he said that Mason Mount must have been watching Eden Hazard tape before the match <laughs> like the way he cut in that was that was Eden Hazard-esque we were looking for you know we were questioning where would the goals come from now that Eden Hazard is gone is Mason Mount going to be the guy now <laughs> I mean he's got five this season I again you you hit the nail on the head we've always said like we don't want Mount as a true winger. So he's now back playing a little more central as one of these like floating tens. Cool. Still too um, far up for my liking, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Right. Right. So, so he's not playing too central. We obviously think he's an eight right now in the system. He's playing as a 10, but not once have we doubted that he's been our player of the season. Like this guy continues to perform no matter where he's played outside of left wing, but no matter where he's played under, Lampard under Tuchel he is gonna give you at least an, a seven and right now this season I think he's averaging more of like an eight out of ten performance and get this guy somewhere in the box just get him there like if we can get him to shoot I think he benefited a little bit from uh Trent Alexander-Arnold just being extremely lazy defensively, but that was a fantastic shot. He still has to beat Allison, who is the top three goalkeeper in the league, around him. And when and you know, like even Klopp said it, 
You know he's going to cut into his right, and he's going to shoot far post. So Allison is already far, like, he's well aware that he's going to go that way. And Mount gets enough power and curl on that to put it back post for the winner. That was fantastic. Uh, again, man of the match, potentially because of the goal. Mount of the I match? Think, mount of the match. <laughs> but he uh, he continues to perform, and... It, I think it, it's it's an extra good feeling when it's someone like the Academy, like somebody straight from the Academy who has never given up on his Chelsea dream to be the one leading kind of anything that is positive this season, whether it's attitude, whether it's work rate, whether it's pitching in with game-winning goals. It adds, it adds so much more to this guy, and it makes him so much more lovable to fans, and, and that's maybe why we see – some of us get a little bit of ahead of ourselves when we talk about Mason Mount, but but right now this guy's undroppable, and if he can get himself into the box a little bit more in transition, maybe we'll be able to start winning games more than just by one nil or or two nil because of a penalty. So great shot by Mount. I think the defense let like mistakenly gave him a shot to his right foot. So yeah, good on him for finishing that and. And again, continuing doing the things he's so good about doing, pressing off the ball, working to get the ball back. Um, his his decision-making during and build-up is good. Uh, it, again, all I want to see, and, and maybe it'll be an off-season thing, is, is work on that final pass. And at that mm-hmm. point, I'm ready to say that, that Mason Mount is like top five. Top We've seen flashes of it, though. He's been, he's been improving on it the past couple of weeks. So, that, you know, it, it's definitely like something that's conceivable that he will improve on. And I think he will. Because you see it mid-season. It's an IQ thing. I don't, I don't think it's a, it's a matter of Techno, uh, his like not having yeah. that in his tool belt. It, it's there. It's just learning when to look up to find those passes and trying them. And once he does, hell yeah, go go nuts, fans. Let's talk about his ability to potentially catch up to someone like KDB. When I start <laughs> seeing that, I'm all for it. I'm not even joking. I still think Mount is our best player this season. I still think yeah. he makes it to the Premier League's team of the season. And, mm-hmm. and it's be- very much deserved. Like, wh- I don't get why we're not allowed to say that Mason Mount is the best player on Chelsea, but he's not world-class in the same sentence. Like, why is that not allowed? Like, it, <laughs> if we don't say that he he's... He can be. The thing yeah. People think because we say he's not that right now, we can't say that he can be. And he's on track, too. Again... Mount is a young guy. Like, just because he's not the final product today doesn't mean he can't be that later. And I think we're we're allowed to be a little bit objective. Again, in this match, he was perfect. Great match. Awesome guy. Like, he got the goal, which was a fantastic goal. And he, he continues to improve. What else can you ask from a guy? If we say today, Mount, this is Mount, this is all he's going to be, that's a disservice to him. So yeah. Like, we never said that. that. think we're being critical. It's not about being critical. It's about realizing that his ceiling is still yet to be reached. And, and I think that's the tone that we've been speaking about, Mount. And I hope that's how people that listen to us take it. It's not a negative on Mount. It's a, man, this guy can still get better. There's that. There's still a little something missing there. But right now he's killing it. Like, And that's it. That's the story of Mason Mount within this podcast. And I, and I hope people understand that. And, you know, the more and more Mason Mount has these performances, the less upset I get about Pulisic not getting a start because he's been, you know, if, if, if he was losing a spot to someone who was not performing the way Mason Mount has been, uh, you know, it would be an outrage. But 
You know, Pulisic objectively needs to earn his spot back. You know, he he got he got a little bit of a cameo. He still hasn't gotten his full ninety or start. Like, you know, it, it's 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 tough coming in in the sixty six minutes. Oh, Bur- this is an anti American propaganda you're putting. How dare you be objective? <laughs> I know, I know. It's hard for me to say because I'm such a, you know, red-blooded American, uh, and uh, I just, it's, it's. See, like it, 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 he just needs to work his way back. You yeah. know, I, I thought I had, I had, way too much hope in Pulisic having a repeat of last year and just, you know, Did coming into the sub and. He... It's 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 weird. It's weird. Yeah. He was so good at the end of the season. Oh, well, I mean specifically against Liverpool because of oh, what he oh, did oh, against God, Liverpool God. last last season, like coming in and just it, well, he he accounted for like two assists and a goal, right? And uh, I think did we tie that game or did we win? We I lost by one. Well, yeah, we lost. We lost, but he, he made it close. Yeah. <laughs> but still, I mean, uh, that's what I wanted to see, and uh, I had a little bit of hope for that, but didn't come to fruition. But okay, l- let's wrap this up. We talked about the Mason Mount goal. We got to talk about the pass uh, from Conte. Because I, okay, first of all, Conte, I thought he was unreal. Just a just quick reminder that he is a world class center back. I mean, sorry, CDM or just <laughs> midfielder in general. Like, he did everything right. Uh, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe. There's some criticism. We actually did get one from uh, on Twitter from Michael Conan at mconan1789. He says, "Can at rep Andreas? I don't know who that is. Um, please, oh, okay. Oh, is that yours? Sorry, I forgot. Yeah. So he said, "Can Andreas? I thought it was the other Andreas that I know. Can he please coach Conte on his passing? Had a beauty of a long ball. Then it was all downhill. Love the player, not the passing. Uh, and I don't know." I didn't, I personally, from watching the match, didn't come away with it, like, damn, like, Conte should have made a couple more passes, like, to me, like, he did an amazing job breaking up possession, bringing the ball to the pitch, and giving it to another guy, like, he, you know, there was a couple times where he dispossessed the ball, like, he got dispossessed right after he stole the ball away, so it's like, you know, it was a quick it was a quick kind of thing where he gets the ball, he's surrounded by three opposing players, and there's not much he can do. But, you know, like, if he didn't steal the ball in the first place, he wouldn't have been dispossessed. So it's like, what, would you rather him not not take the ball away? You know, like, it, it, it's... I, I didn't see any problems, to be honest, with that, like, in that aspect, Andres. Did you, did you notice anything? I think he was great. I mean, again... We can pick it, Nick Pick, Nick Nitpick. How do you say that correctly? I I'm, I'm blanking out. He'll help me out here. Nitpick, <laughs> nitpicking again. I think for one, we're getting Conte back, and and we talk about his passing. I mean, he was five for five on long balls in this match. So I think is there going to be sometimes where he messes up the easy pass? Sure, but his other traits make up for it so much. I I think that. We're starting to see a healthy Conte again for the first time in a, in a while, including this very season. And I think that that's just adding to what Tuchel was saying when he first got here, that he couldn't wait. You know, people are like, oh, Tuchel already benched Conte, like, game over, because the first couple of matches it was Kovacic and Jorginho. But here you have it to where now he's 
his words are coming true. He said he wanted to have Conte play, and Conte's played every game since the Atletico match, so United, Atletico, and Liverpool. And we've had positive results, and we haven't lost a midfield battle in all three. So if, again, I mentioned how Jorginho's lack, lack of athletic ability is is now not so much of an issue because he's not being pinpointed. I think on, on the opposite end, Conte's lack of passing or, or being able to be accurate 100% of the time, I don't even think that's – like I didn't notice it. And I think that's part of it, how we defend when we lose the ball. We're trying to get it back immediately. And then on the ball, I feel like we have a crop of 11 players who are so comfortable on the ball that perhaps you can overlook the fact that Conte is not going to be dropping dimes left and right. But the fact remains that in this match, he dropped the dime to get the, the goal. And he was five for five anyways from long balls. If a team's pressing you and you need to break the press of the long ball, that's what like that's if that's your one escape, you better hit those. And he was five for five. So, I mean, if if Gold Conte wants to take tips from me, I'm not gonna say no. Like I'd love to have Gold Conte come over to one of my practices just to show my little ten year olds how to put in a, a proper tackle, because that'd be fantastic. So if Conte's open for it, heck, I'll invite him over at any time. Hey, I I didn't even look at the passing stats. I'm gonna look right now. Okay, 56 of 65 passes completed, 86% completion. Like. Uh, that, those are those are pretty good numbers, you know. And like, uh, what is the technical term for this, Andreas? But like, passing it in a triangle, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, like you're when you're a coach, like, you, you like they tell you, pass? or not just a wall pass, but like forming a triangle with three people and passing mm-hmm. it between the three to kind of break down a press. Like yeah, him I mean, on that just, right side. You you want to make triangle shapes. That that's exactly, what they always preach. Exactly. So you know, in Golo Conte, and then on the right side with him, Reese James with Dave, and then Ziesh also. Uh, so like those three or four, like whenever it was, uh, they 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 did an awesome job at interplay and linking up and building the ball up, bringing it up the pitch, breaking down the press, like. I honestly had no issues with Ngolo Conte's passing. Like, again, like the, the, the handful of times where he made a bad pass, it was it was after he stole the ball and was immediately surrounded by, you know, three, four defenders because, you know, one second before they were they were attackers before he stole the ball away. Right. So and eighty six percent against somebody that's pressing you like Liverpool's not bad at all. And again, Conte created two chances, one of them being a goal. So I mean, again, I think it's a little bit of a nitpick. Can he improve his passing? Sure, but I think that he's more than serviceable at what's being asked of him. We're not asking him to become prime Cess Fabregas by any means. I mean, that would be nice. I'll take it. But, yeah, we're not asking for that. I mean, look, I'm looking at N'Golo Conte versus Jorginho. Like, Jorginho was 55 of 63 passes. N'Golo Conte was 56 of 65. I mean, that's literally almost identical numbers. So, you know, if you're going to say N'Golo Conte has got to work on his passing, Jorginho doesn't, like, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe we saw a different that, that thing. That line of four, the line of four, so meaning Chilwell, Jorginho, Conte, mm-hmm. and, and, J- and, and Reese James were all in the 80s. Yeah. And 88, Reece James made the highest with 88%. Yeah. So, I mean, listen, I had no problem with it. Maybe, Michael, you can cut up a little clip for us of, of the moments you're talking about. 
and then you can send that over to Coach Andreas, and he'll implement a new like you know training reg uh, res <laughs> regime. I don't even know regimen. Regimen. Yeah. So yeah, you give me. I give you. Uh, wait, what was the word I told you? Nitpick, <laughs> and you give me <laughs> regimen. Uh, so, all right. Well, I think we can wrap up on this uh, recap. But uh, is there any final thoughts? I mean, obviously, being back, back in top, top four, four. Yeah, huge man, that's, six point swing. For sure. I mean, the winner of that match was going to be in top four. Right now, Everton uh, is our next matchup. We'll, we'll get into that in a second. But they're sitting a point behind us with the game in hand. So equally important. I mean, we can also leapfrog Leicester if they win their, if they lose their next match. You know, and that's who who, who are they playing against next? Let's see uh, against Brighton. Okay, I mean, uh, we'll see. They play tomorrow. Um, so we'll know before going into the match whether uh, w whether we can leapfrog Leicester. So you know that that just adds a little bit of more of a cushion for us. It's uh, I I am so happy with. You know, the way Tuchel's team selection ended up making sense at the end when initially I thought it was uh, a little, I had a couple problems with it, but, you know, that's why he's the manager and I'm just a kid <laughs> with a podcast. Like, and, we're and, definitely, we're clearly on, clearly on different levels. Yeah, and, and uh, one last thing to talk about Tuchel is that he's now faced three of the top six and he's beaten two and drawn one, and he has yet to concede a goal against the top six. So as manager, obviously he's not physically blocking the goals, but he is setting up this team to get points against the top six, and we have not done that in a long time. Hey, First and, game match and, to Liverpool since 2014. And we won uh, our first leg in the Champions League. Throw that Again. in there as well. Yeah. When was the last time we got out of that round, and we are in a good spot right now to do so? Just, yeah. Coming in midseason, for everyone that's not a fan of the fact that we're not scoring four goals a match, like, I'm sorry, but we're winning and we're getting results. And if you can't get behind a manager that's doing that for you and that maybe next season can can get the flair into it, then then you need to kind of step back and realize that maybe you're just mad that it's just not our previous manager doing it and it has nothing to do with what this guy's achieving. All right, let's go into our Twitter questions. Um, it's funny because we have two more Twitter questions, and each of them are centered around the number five. I mean, if you guys were true Chelsea fans, you'd center it around the number three because that is our sponsor, and we're loyal to our sponsor, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but wow. I'm going to start off with Eric's question because uh, the next other one kind of leads into our preview. But this one's from Chelsea Eric. Uh I mean, we always love his questions, don't we, Andreas? <laughs> yeah, I, I want Chelsea Eric to create a gif of himself just just stirring the pot. I just that because that's all he does, and I love him for it. Of course. I mean, coming out off a match like this, everyone's feeling good, all positives. He comes in with the question, if you had to sell five players in the summer, who'd they be? It's like, why, Eric? Why do you have to do That's this okay. to us? Let's play his game. Let's play his game. <laughs> okay. Let's okay. play his game. I already, I already have a preliminary list. Okay. All right. Go so, for it. You can go number for one, it. number one, Keppa. Okay. If we can get the right, we can get the right amount for him. He's clearly a position that we have another spot for. You know, and okay. it's it's a keeper as a position that you don't have to rotate that much. I'm cool with bringing Willie Caballero in a couple matches a game. 
I mean, a season. Mendy, that's his spot. So Kepa, that's one. You want to you want to alternate? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> okay, number two, Emerson. Yes, yes. And before, dude, if you asked me two weeks ago or whatever, five weeks ago, I would have said Marcus Alonso. But now I, I, it's completely switched. We have to get five guys out of the team. So. Oh, so now, oh, now you're considering selling both our backup left wing backs? Come on, Andreas. We can't do that. Listen, listen. We have to get in, – in this situation, Chelsea Eric is asking for five. So, oh, shit. So we need to get rid of five players. Here's another guy I'm thinking of, and sorry, Nick Lenartson, but do we really still need Caballero? <laughs> Dude, if we're going to get rid of Kepa – Oh my god. Okay, so we're gonna have one keeper, one left back. Okay, okay, this is the summer. We can also theoretically we're gonna sell <laughs> buy more some players. players. We can promote someone from the hey, academy that wasn't to start a, third keeper. That wasn't a part of the question, Andreas. In the Can summer. You? It says in the summer. That's true. Okay. So Man. in the summer, again, the the five outs, because again, it might not be selling. Maybe their contract's just running out, right? Right? So so bear with me. I, okay. we have so far Keppa. Um, Emerson and and perhaps Willie. All right, that's three. Okay, well, this one's did, gonna be no. this one's gonna be controversial, but again, it, I'm gonna say this because of multiple factors. But I think, wait, are we alternating or are you gonna do three in a row, Andreas? What, what are you right, doing right, here? Go, go, I'll save this one. I'll save <laughs> no, no, actually, I'm gonna do I'm I'm gonna save mine for last actually because it's actually a good one. So sorry, you okay, go you so go ahead. Here's mine, and again, I hope you don't I'm thinking steal it. Big picture. I think we're going to let Olivier Giroud walk. Oh. I think this is the season where we find him a home where he can play every week. And it's not going to be in bad terms. It's not going to be a behind-the-back thing. I think we'll work very well with him if it is to transfer or let him walk. Because the guy has done everything for us. But I think it, it's it's now time to, to move into a new stage of Chelsea. And Giroud... Maybe we got him enough minutes this season to get into the Euro Cup, and we can shake hands and say, thank you, sir, for trophies. You're welcome for getting you back into the French squad one last time. And and we let Armando Broja come back. The guy is the youngest, the the highest-scoring teenager across Europe right now, and he's in uh, at Vitesse, if I'm not mistaken. So he's Probably. still our player. He could come in. So that's my next pick. I'll, I'll let you take over. Maybe sure. give me your opinion on that one because – yeah, I think we're just amicably going to be letting go of Giroud. Yeah, like Giroud, that's not it. Like you had to sell five players in the summer. Like he's not even on that list because he does. he's not even under contract. So I think it's kind of assumed that he's somewhere else next year. My pick, I don't even want to say it, but like if I have to, I'm going another striker. I'm I'm curious how much we can get for Tammy Abraham right now. I'm this, curious. This is all based on your Erling Brout Holland. <laughs> yeah, you said it's a new era for Chelsea. And that era, that era <laughs> includes Erling Brout Holland. I don't care about the recent quotes that came out that said he, he Chelsea is the one team he's not considering. I don't believe that. Uh, he wants to play for a more established team. Doesn't want to be a part of a project. Come on, man. You come here, it's not a project anymore. That's the team. That's the team. And I'm not, dude, okay. Uh, I really wish I didn't say that because now I'm going to get a lot of shit. And I hope Zach doesn't hear this episode. But we're playing a game, okay? This is Chelsea Eric's rules, and I have to say it. 
Blame Chelsea, Eric. This isn't Song's fault. Yeah, because like I don't know, like I mean Rudiger. I'm not like I'm cool selling Rudiger if if Kurt Zuma, and yeah, actually you know I'm gonna change my answer to to Rudiger, just because we have we have more to spare. Like we have Kurt Zuma, we have Thiago Silva, like we have Andreas Christensen. Like <laughs> I think we'll be fine if we lose uh Rudiger, but also I think Andreas Christensen probably is gonna have a pretty high high price tag if they if they choose to sell him you know like he's doing a really how many players are we at then we we have (laughs) i think we listed like seven players (laughs) no 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 no. recap we've got keppa emerson for sure that's two yeah we'll we'll put in Giroud as the three again maybe it's a happy goodbye maybe it's one of those things where we help rudiger get into the euros and somebody's like we need that leadership. We're playing the game, guys, okay? And yeah, we said yeah. Willie Caballero, too. And that's five. No, that was four, and then the fifth one you was either. Right? So, so we have, oh. so, so recap one last time. We're getting rid of two goalies <laughs> in this game, being Kepa and Willie. Then Giroud, three. Oh, yeah. Uh, Emerson, okay. four. Rudiger, five. Okay. I, Tammy, I, I, you, make, you make the cut. In contention, I would consider Alonzo as a wild card, just because I think we can <clears> bring in another. It could be a upgradable position overall. I think Chilwell's still growing into that position, but I think sneakily, uh, we have this kid on the team. I always forget in the, in this, in the academy team, he's the other Faustino. I leave Ramento Faustino Lee Ramento mm-hmm. who plays wing back or outside mid at, at the youth level who could get minutes potentially in that position. So again, it's one of those things where, Obviously, we know Alonso has his limitations, and we know that he's a great wing back. But I also, I'm gonna keep hitting this topic: is that I think under a full preseason, we are not gonna be glued to a back three system. So we need to not. It, it was such a issue for Chelsea post uh, after our Champions League run and in those future teams. So post 2012, it, it's been such an issue where we tailor a team to just one thing. And it we under Conte it had to be the three four three, and then those players didn't translate to Sari under the four three three. So then Sari had to bring players for his stuff, and then those didn't tailor to the next thing. And 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 we got in this kind of the the amount of dead wood we built up that we've still been working to sell has been too much. So so I don't want to just get players that fit the three four three. I want players that can do multiple roles, and and that's why I think maybe. If the price comes, it, I don't think Chelsea will flinch for for an offer for Alonso. Yeah, we hate you, Eric. We really do. I don't know why, which I don't know which question I hate more, this or who is our best striker. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding. We love you. Uh, so let's go to our next question. This one's from Ron, aka Bone Daddy Cool, aka Bone Daddy Deluxe, aka Bone Daddy Supreme. He says, next five mat- league matches. How many points do you see us getting? Home against Everton, away at Leeds, home against West Brom, away at Palace, home at Brighton. So I say let's let's skip Everton for now, and then we'll just talk about that when we get into our preview. So let's jump ahead to away at Leeds. I think that I mean just I'll I'll go through give my prediction. You just tell me if you if you disagree. Leeds, right. I think that's a win. Okay, so that's three. Like, I could see us tying, but Leeds has been 
not as solid or cons consistent as we have been um, in the past month. So I'll give us the win. West Brom, I'm more confidently saying that's a win. Pa Palace, at, uh, at away, I mean, Palace, they just, didn't they just draw uh, against United? United, yeah. Um, yesterday or two days ago, so yeah, you know, they're so, and they they should have won. They had a goal that got taken away by VAR, I think. Um, so, but again, they've been in bad form. Let me just see their recent form right now. They're sitting in uh, they're sitting in thirteenth. Two draws, a w then a win before that, and two losses and two wins. Uh, so, I don't know. I mean, who who's the wins against Wolves? And Newcastle lost to Leeds, lost to Burnley, beat Brighton. <sighs> see, like that one, I think I'm also confident in a win. But like, I could, I could see any of these ending in a draw. Any of this? Any, are you less or more confident than I am on that one? Around the I, to be completely honest with you, I'll, I'll save you the time. I think we can get the 15 points. Yeah, I think I think that's the moral. That's where I was going headed towards too. For sure. I think it's. I think at this point we've just again we didn't lose to United, who was the highest scoring team in the league. We've beaten Atletico <laughs> and Liverpool. I think this momentum is is in a in a non like you know how hard it is to stop a moving train. I think we're like a full speed train right now. Like I think that the the wins don't even have to be pretty because at the end of the day the Liverpool win was was a tough victory. The Atletico Madrid one was tough. Like. We're battling, and I think the guys are going to continue to do so because Champions League is still not comfortable. You mentioned Everton has a game in hand. West mm -hmm. Ham is still playing well. Leicester is starting to get healthy. It's a matter of get the points now instead of waiting for later. And for once, I feel like that's the message from the manager. From the top down, that's been the message. It's not We're not trying to depend on other teams to get us there. We're not trying to depend on, on crazy results. Like Chelsea... For, for once, I feel like we're really just taking care of what we can control. And and I think that Everton, much like Liverpool, is not going to be a team that sits back, causing us to have to have 80% possession and, and off chances. Uh -huh. I think uh, we know Leeds isn't that. So those two games, we should be able to, to get a win. West Brom and, and th those final three, I can see being tougher. But I also hope that at this point, this would be now month two of, of Tuchel, maybe even you know, more time because I can't remember the exact date that he started. But mm -hmm. I, I hope that by now we, we've kind of figured it out on our own how to get a little bit more creative against these low blocks. And, and our players at this point should feel confident because we are linking up these results to beat these guys. Yeah. Um, I, I don't fear for – again, maybe I'm pompous here, but – my, the defense has been so good that I don't fear a leaky goal here or there. Yeah, here's so, the real question, Andres. Are we the unstoppable force or are we the immovable object? We're, I think we're more in line with the immovable <laughs> object because we haven't been able yeah, to get scored on. <laughs> it's stellar. Like, we've only yeah. conceded one goal to an opponent, and it was when our starting back three wasn't playing. Right. Exactly. So like, yeah, I'm, like I'm, I'm sorry because we love him, but that was all on Zuma for being who knows where. It, yeah, it, yeah. I hate to, crazy to say that if Christensen was playing, he would have been in the right place, and Minamino would have never gotten there. I, I mm -hmm. can't believe I said that, but I, it's it's a truth. If Christensen was in the middle of that back three, that 
that would have never happened. All right, so, well, let, let's get more into that Everton. Uh, yeah. Because you, you mentioned a little bit so about the way that you expect Carlo Ancelotti to set up. Um, mm-hmm. So, so go a little bit more into that. Like, what, what, yeah. what's the kind of stuff that we're going to need to do to break it down? I mean, priority number one is is not losing either Calvert-Lewin or Richarlison inside the box. Both guys are, are pretty good in the air and, and just getting themselves in the right position. Um, I don't know if he's still the league leader, but Calvert-Lewin has had a really good season for himself. He's got 13 goals right now in the league. Mm-hmm. I think that the the key here is to to catch their fullbacks um, in, a, in a bad position. I think that they are the the quote unquote weak link of this side. Dean Lucas Digne likes to push up really high, and and Holgate has been better, but I still think he's more of like a makeshift right back than a natural right back. So. As long as the phys- we can control the midfield, I think we'll have this game in our hands because they do have pretty big bodies in there. You know, you have uh, DeCure, you have Allen, and you have um, Andre Gomez that are usually filling in that role. Now, as for how I think they'll line up, I think if they try to match our three at the back, that's doing them a disservice. I think that if they reduce the numbers of midfielders, we'll be far it'll work to our advantage. So if that's their thought process, that's good for us. If they decide to go for a midfield three, I think whoever wins that midfield battle will be, will be a little bit more comfortable on the ball. Also, uh, Thomas Rodriguez, I think they're ruling him like 50% chance of being out. So, um, it'll that would be nice to not have the have to worry about him uh, on the right side, but you're talking more about the midfield. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I just think obviously that, that would, I think James Rodriguez is probably, uh, I mean, besides, uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin is probably their most dangerous threat. So if he's not out there, I like our chances even more. Um, you know, they're, they're going to be a tough team to break against and I mean, to, uh, to score against, but you know, like I, I, in my opinion, I think this is probably going to end a nil nil draw. Um, you know, it'll be one of those boring matches uh, to an American, but you know, like it's going to be one of those matches where it's going to be all defense, a lot of physicality um, and just not a lot of opportunities for either team. I think, I mean, like if if we can get, if we start, we can get Giroud out there to, you know, just like get in it like a, just an ugly goal. Like I could, I, I would be confident with my, you know, with, with our chances of winning, but I just could totally see this being a nil-nil draw with just like not a lot of chances being made. But uh, as far as like starting eleven, um, you know, just give, given that this is this is technically a, a match with a short break, you know, only three days of rest in between um, the two matches. So I mean, I I expect to see a little bit of rotation. What what are you thinking uh, as far as like who's going to get the start? Like, do, first of all, do you think it's going to be the same? back three like Rudiger Christensen yeah, yeah, yeah that same back three um I actually think that we may see Abraham again he's been if he's uh, healthy because I, I think it came out during the Liverpool match that he has like an ankle knock there's been a lot of talk recently like oh he, Tuchel's giving up on him or whatever so I hope that, 
when That's what I thought. Or when he starts, it's kind of like, okay, game over. If anything, we might see, you know, this might be a good chance to get Thiago Silva back in for a bit. I, I think it'll be tough to get Christensen out of that back three. Like, I really do. So who knows on that end, but the midfield shouldn't change. Maybe uh, we see Cho at the right side instead of Reese James just because he was rested uh, from mm-hmm. that, like, knock he picked up against United. So those are my only things. I, I, I think the front three – oh, actually, I take it back. If, Haver- if, if Abraham mm-hmm. doesn't start, maybe we'll see Havertz in the middle of that front three as a striker with uh, Mount to the right and uh, Werner to the left. Or Pulisic. What about Pulisic to, to the left? Any any chance we see that? Man, I'm just I'm just holding out for a little I bit. Mean, of I mean, I'd love to, but I don't. <laughs> at this yeah. Point, we talked about him earn, earning it, so I don't know. I mean, how's he gonna earn it if he doesn't get an opportunity to start? Like he will. He he will get a chance to. He, he will. I promise you, in the next three matches, we'll see him. I mean, against either I mean, Everton, less likely, Everton but against Leeds or West or West. Start. Or West Brom. I mean, those are two chances that I can see, like him uh, or two goal thinking. Cup match. We do, we do have Sheffield uh, before West Brom in the FA Cup. Oh yeah, and we have Atletico even before that, the second yeah. leg. Damn, that's in two weeks. So in I'm the next, in the next five <laughs> matches that yeah. are not just league, I say Pulisic will get one or two chances to realistically start a game. Yeah, and that's going to be basically a uh, an audition of sort. I mean, right. you know, he's he's played under Tuchel, so Tuchel knows what he what he is. So it's not really an audition, but you know, he, he it's it's just kind of to show that he's 100%, he's back and he's fit cuz like it's undeniable what we saw last year, you can't say that was a fluke because he, he has the the skill, the speed. It's it, a lot of it is the mentality, the positioning, like He's just he just wants to score, you know. He wants to create chances, so um, you know we're we're desperate for goals right now. So I think it, it's a very very uh, makes a lot of sense to see him get a start in the next couple matches. I'd like to see Kai Havertz start or get some playing time. I don't think I think it's too soon to start him against a team like Everton. Um, they will just fully take advantage of him. Um, so I don't know. So I already gave my prediction. I said I think it's going to be nil nil. Where are you? I'm where saying, are you sitting? I'm saying two nil. Uh, we win two nil, obviously. Yes, right? correct. correct. <laughs> and yeah. Goal I scores are. Uh, I think Werner and I want Hudson Adoy to get in the score sheet. Damn. Okay. Let's see it. I'm excited. Uh, I, I think that about wraps things up, Andreas. Um. It was uh, it was nice, you know, a nice change of pace, not having Zach here. I think we talked about way more in an hour and twenty minutes with just us two than we would have with Zach, you know. Because <laughs> it just repeated a lot of the same stuff that we said, a lot of rants and all that. But yeah, we 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 were able to keep it a little bit tame under wraps, so that was fun. Um for those of you still uh still listening, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Romans Empire Pod. I played is that our that's our Twitter. Yeah, Roman's Empire Pod. Yes. <laughs> uh, just making sure. And, you know, we've been receiving a couple emails from fans. That's been fun. Letters. You know, we love hearing from you guys. Uh, Roman's Empire Pod at gmail.com. If you guys want to write to us, tell us a little bit about yourself. We love hearing about you guys. Um, in addition, if you have any friends who are Chelsea fans, please, please, please share us 
uh, with them. Uh, we're a lot of fun. We're cool guys. You know, we want to meet some new people. So just, you know, hook us up. Um, and with that being said, uh, we'll see you guys next week. Uh, hopefully another three points after this Everton match. And until then, keep the blue flag flying high.